Welcome to the CVMI Open Door Podcast with pastor and teacher Jamie Gizzy. We trust that you will be blessed as we study the Word of God through its context, history, and word studies. It's time to walk through the threshold of the open door. Now, here's your teacher, Pastor Jamie Gizzy. Good afternoon, everyone. This is Pastor Jamie with Calvary's Victory Ministries, um, joining you today for the newest episode of the CVMI Open Door Podcast. I want to take a moment and welcome everybody. Um, thank everybody also for tuning in and for uh, following this branch of our ministry. Um, this is one of the most exciting things that I've ever been a part of, and I really look forward to doing this. Uh, because of uh, vacation time and um, the Thanksgiving holiday, I haven't been able to sit down and uh, record any more messages. We're working on some new content, um, and we'll have those posted as soon as possible. Um, I also want to encourage you all to subscribe to this podcast, whether you're listening on Apple or Anchor, Spotify, Google, whatever um, platform you're using. Subscribe to this podcast and help us spread the word. Um, we've got listeners all over the world. Uh, when I'm looking at the the analytics that I see with with each one of these, we've we've got listeners everywhere, and we're just really excited about that. We thank you guys. Um, before we get started with what we're going to get into today, I want to recognize the fact that today, December seventh, twenty twenty, this is the anniversary of. Um, the Pearl Harbor attacks uh, back in 1941 that pulled the United States, um, that pulled us into World War II. So we want to recognize all those servicemen and women who were there that day, the ones who lost their lives. I was telling my children the story this morning about the USS Arizona and the memorial that's there and, um, you know, what happened in that situation. And, uh, you know, we just... My goodness gracious, folks, what what happened that day is just something that we can't even fathom. So we do want to recognize those that were there, those that survived that uh, tragedy, and those that lost their lives. And, you know, I'm a, a big supporter of our military. I come from a military family. And, um, you know, past, present, future, for those of you that serve in the Army, the Navy, the Air Force, the Marines, the Coast Guard, we recognize you. We thank you for your sacrifices that you provide so that we can have the freedom to do the things that we do. And that's especially true with us here at CVMI. We can't do what we do as a ministry if it wasn't for the men and women in uniform who make the sacrifice and pay the price that is paid. So thank you for, for that. Now, today is going to be a unique message uh, or unique service. Um Last night, this would have been December the 6th of 2020, I had the privilege of preaching at Hart Chapel in Elkins, West Virginia. And I really felt prompted of the Lord to share that message with you, our listeners. It, it was a part of that message was tailor-made through the Holy Spirit for that church and for that ministry. Others of it are just for the body of Christ in general. So I just want to encourage you, the message goes on for about an hour and six minutes. I want to encourage each of you to just sit back and enjoy that message. And I pray that the Holy Spirit speaks to you through that just as much as he did to those of us who were there. So again, this is Pastor Jamie. We thank you for tuning in and enjoy this message. We're going to get into the subject of 
blurring spiritual vision by walking in the flesh. God bless you guys and enjoy. To do this tonight, folks. Father, we come before you tonight in the name of Jesus Christ. Lord, we're not here for our own initiative. We're not here for our own ego. We're here to lift up the name that is above each and every name. Lord, we ask that your Holy Spirit would continue to permeate in this building tonight, God. And our hearts, our spirits, souls, minds, and bodies. And Lord, as your Holy Spirit works in us here tonight, you would equip us to go out into the world tonight and tomorrow and in the weeks and months to come. Lord, we thank you and praise you for what you did for us. We thank you for that sacrifice on the cross. We thank you that you died in order that each one of us might live. Lord, we owe you everything. But we can pay you nothing except our humble obedience. So, Lord, I ask tonight that we clear the air, we clear our minds, we clear any hindrance that would prevent a move of the Spirit in this place tonight and in our lives tonight. Lord, our mission should be to leave out of here different than the way we came in. God, that we should know you better tonight when we leave out of here to know you more and know you better than when we walked in this place. Lord, I ask that you would anoint our ears to hear what the Spirit says to the church. Lord, I ask that you would anoint my voice, my thought patterns and processes. Lord, I just ask that you would allow me to be obedient to your Holy Spirit tonight. We give you honor, we give you glory, and we give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. I want to start by saying this. As you know, we've watched things that have been taking place over the last year. You know, I I would dare to say this is one of the craziest years in the history of mankind. And it's certainly the craziest year that any of us have ever experienced in our lifetime. You know, as... um, Just looking at at how this year has played out, you know, not even just with the virus, but just with some of the other things that have went on. You know, we just came out of an election season. And one of the things that we noticed was division in this country is at an all-time high. You know, I, I would love to tell you that we didn't see this day coming, but I can't tell you that. We saw it coming. You know, one of the things that has stuck out to me a lot just in the, the last couple of months, and I shared this, I believe it was last night, I was talking to Pastor Tate, he had called me, and um, we were talking about the, the prophecy that John the Baptist gave concerning the coming Messiah. And one of the things you see in that, he, he talks about how he's not even worthy enough to unlatch his shoe. You know, he's not even worthy enough to bend down and, and tie his shoe or untie his shoe. And one of the things that he, he mentions, he says, when he comes, the winnowing fork will be in his hand. And he says that he's going to use that to separate the wheat from the chaff. Now, we saw that occur. You see the initial beginning of that, the fulfillment of that prophecy in the life and ministry of Jesus. But here we are almost 2,000 years later, and we're seeing this come at a rate that none of us ever expected. We never, never would have dreamed that we would see the events that are taking place today. We never dreamed it would occur in our lifetime. 
We never dreamed that we would see the division amongst uh, the, the, whether it's along political lines, whether it's along racial lines, whether it's along gender lines or any line that exists. We never dreamed we would see the things that we're seeing in our day and age, but it was coming. And we were told it was coming. So how do we navigate through this? As we prepare to go into a new year, as we venture into the unknown, you know, that's one of the things that we talked at, at our church in Bridgeport. When this all started, we said we are entering into uncharted waters. We're trying to navigate through something that we've never seen before. We've never experienced before. And I pray to God that we never have to go through it again in our lifetime. You know, I, I, I hope and pray the next major event that happens, we'll be out of here when it occurs. Amen. 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 <laughs> when the trumpet sounds that we're out of here and we don't have to worry about all the other crazy that's going to happen. You know, I, I, we saw here just not too long ago that, um, and we have people that are serving in elected offices, and we need to recognize the fact that they are elected to serve as civil servants. And we've had people that have said, well, if you see somebody out in public that's behaving a certain way or not masking up or whatnot, turn them in so they can be arrested. And I got to thinking about that, and I thought, you know, that's absolutely crazy, which, number one, I don't believe you're going to see that happen, at least not here in West Virginia. But you, you may see that occur at different places. And, and you know, as I was, I was driving one day and I was thinking about that, and I thought, if we think that's bad now, Folks, we don't know what, listen, John was talking about the Christians in Nigeria a little bit ago. And I've got friends all across the globe. I've got missionary friends all around this world. And some of the stories that we hear that are taking place, I mean, it's things we would never, we, we couldn't even comprehend. And, you know, we think we're being persecuted now because, well, so one side of the argument says our rights are being violated by wearing masks. And I'm, I don't see how that's a violation of rights. And I don't, I'll be honest with you, I don't even see how that's a hindrance. Because let me tell you what a hindrance is. A hindrance is anything that will prevent you and I from spreading the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen. And whether we wear a mask or whether we don't wear a mask, that doesn't change a thing about delivering the gospel to the world. Yeah. What's it going to be like? Let me ask you, if you think it's crazy now, what's it going to be like when the body of Christ is no longer here? Amen. When you can't buy or sell. You can't go to a Walmart and buy your groceries. Unless you have a mark in your right hand or in your forehead. And at that point, it will become law to report others for not having that mark. So what do we do in the meantime? How do we prepare for what's to come? You know, we had talked, I, several of the pastor friends that I have, we had talked at the very beginning of this shutdown back February and March. We had talked about how it's such a unique opportunity that we had through this season to really build our relationship with God on a greater level. Because sometimes we maybe got complacent, maybe we got lazy, maybe we just didn't care. You know, maybe the only time that we would open a Bible or the only time we'd ever say a prayer was when we were in the church house. Well, things changed back in March for us. And, you know, we, I've heard it, and I've even said it, you know, we had to get creative. We didn't have to get creative. We just needed to do what we should have been doing all along. Praying and seeking his face and fasting and getting into the word. You know, people have said, I, I, some of the, the friends that I have that, that maybe attend church, serve a ministry or whatnot, they say, well, you know, this year kind of helped me. I, I was able to slow down a little bit. Can I speak 
for me, I got busier. I'm busier now in ministry than I ever have been. You know, not a, we, we put our, our services every Sunday, our broadcast on Facebook Live, every Sunday at 1030, you're going to see either my mug or his mug or somebody else's mug. We've, we've been able to start a podcast this year. We just recently started a YouTube channel. And I'm finding out that the, the, the gospel, listen to me, folks, the gospel from our little street corner, Bridgeport, West Virginia, is going into the world. Amen. We have listeners in, in Asia, Europe, South America, Africa. We've got them all over the globe simply by taking advantage of the technology that exists. You know, some people look at this, and, and a lot of the, the, the avenues that we have are led by anti-God, anti-Christ people. But you know something that we, we've recognized? That anything the adversary tries to do, God is always a million steps ahead. Amen. And anything the adversary wants to use for harm, God can, can turn around and use for his glory. Amen. And now through these anti-God websites, we're able to push the gospel of Jesus Christ into areas that we never even knew existed. So we have to look at this and examine this. Is it really that bad? In the natural sense, yeah. But supernaturally, when you emphasize the fact that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever, that he's still on his throne, you start to realize, you know what? Man, we've got an opportunity here. So how do we get there? You know, one of the things that we've been working on, uh, Pastor Kerry and myself and, and our wives, we've been working on a, a, the vision for 2021. Now, I've got a piece, well, not a piece of paper, but I've got 14 pieces of paper, or 17, I forget how long this is, 14. I've got 14 pieces of paper here in my hand that some of you have never seen before. You know what this is? This is a vision statement that God gave me in August 2018 on a farm, or in a farmhouse in Guys Mills, Pennsylvania, just outside of Titusville. You know where I'm talking about. You've been there. One night in August of 2018, God gave me a vision for ministry. That ministry was started in 2018. And now the vision that God gave me two years ago is about to start on January 1st of 2021. Amen. This is two years old. And now we're seeing it in action. It's went from simply being our, our youth pastor preached this morning. And she said she was talking about you know some of the uh, she was getting into praise and worship. And she said praise and worship can be used as a noun or as a verb. You know, this went from just being a noun to being an action verb. And I'm excited about what God's doing. I'm excited, excited about what God's doing in my life. You know, my daughter, my oldest daughter, who I've asked you all to pray for in the past, is starting to come around. Amen. She's starting to come around. We, had, we were in Parkersburg um, this past Monday. My wife and my two daughters, or my, I'm sorry, my mom and my two daughters. My wife stayed home with my son. We had a little incident. My oldest daughter, her purse, she had one of those backpack purses and it slipped off of her back. And she had a hundred and some dollars at 13 years old. She had a hundred and some dollars in her bag and it slipped off her back and she didn't know it. And we looked at mall over, upside down, inside out for a half hour. Here's my daughter, broken hearted. And all we could say was, let God shine in this. Let's just pray and see what God does. In less than 45 minutes, that purse had been turned in and all 100% of the contents were still in it. Let me tell you what my 13-year-old daughter said. In May of 2018, she was baptized in the Holy Spirit at 11 years old. Not even 11 years old. She was baptized in the Holy Spirit at that point. 
Our oldest daughter has been our prodigal for several years now. You guys know. She's been, she's ran wild for the last few years. She had to acknowledge that God was watching over her little sister. And she said, sitting in that mall in Parkersburg, West Virginia, she said, I can't explain this other than the hand of God. You know what my youngest daughter said? She said, if this was for nothing else except for my older sister to see the power of God, then it was worth it. If you have your Bibles, go with me to Ephesians chapter 4. I love the way the Holy Spirit works because this is not even our text for tonight. This is just an added bonus leading us to where we're going to go. I don't want to keep you here all night, but at the same token, I want to give the Holy Spirit his time. And I want to I want to let this marinate a little bit. I don't know about you, but I like meals that marinate rather than microwave. Right. If, I, if I'm going to eat a, a steak, I want it to, to have its time. I don't want to cook a steak in a microwave. So we're, we're just going to let this thing marinate a little bit tonight, all right? If you start getting sleepy, let me know and I'll talk louder. All right? <laughs> Ephesians chapter 4, are you there? Yes. What took you guys so long? Verse 17. Paul writing, he says, This I say, therefore, and affirm together with the Lord, that you walk no longer as the Gentiles also walk in the futility of their mind, being darkened in their understanding, excluded from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the hardness of their heart. Verse 19. And they, having become callous, have given themselves over to sensuality for the practice of every kind of impurity with greediness. But you did not learn Christ in this way, if indeed you have heard him and have been taught in him, just as truth is in Jesus. Verse 22, that in reference to your former manner of life, you lay aside the old self, which is being corrupted in according with the lusts of deceit, and that you be renewed in the spirit of your mind and put on the new self, which is in the likeness of God, which is which in the likeness of God has been created in righteousness and holiness of the truth. Therefore, laying aside falsehood, speak truth, each one of you, with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. Verse 26, be angry and yet do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. And do not give the devil an opportunity. I don't know if you mark your Bibles or not, but mark verse 27. Do not give the devil an opportunity. Don't give him a space. Let's read on. Let him who steals steal no longer, but, let, but rather let him labor. Performing with his own hands what is good in order that he may have something to share with him who has need. Let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth, but only such a word as is good for the edification according to the need of the moment, that it may give grace to those who hear. Verse 30. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Mark that verse. We're going somewhere in just a moment. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice. And be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving each other, just as God in Christ also has forgiven you. You know, something I've noticed, and, and I want to just throw a little added bonus in here tonight. It's Christmas season. I'm going to give you an extra gift tonight. 
He says here that we are to treat one another just as God, and he gets into forgiveness. He says, just as God in Christ has also forgiven you. One of the things that I've noticed is amongst people, and especially amongst church folk, one of the most difficult things for people to do is to forgive. I've heard people make this statement, Chris, for years. Well, I can forgive, but I can't forget. If you've truly forgiven somebody, you for sure are going to forget. Because then that's not true forgiveness. If you can't truly let go, you know, praise God that all the goofy stuff I did prior to coming to Jesus in November 2001, I praise God that he doesn't look at me and say, yes, son, you are forgiven, but I still remember. You know what I, and I've seen it, I worked for the FBI for 13 years, all right? I saw arrest dockets, I saw arrest dockets for some pretty famous names. And I could go sheet after sheet and see some of the things that people have done. But the one thing that I can, and I praise God for this every moment that I have the opportunity, is that when he looks at my docket sheet, he sees a blank sheet of paper. Because not only has he forgiven, but he's also forgotten. My sin has been cast into the sea of forgetfulness. My sin has been cast away from me as far as the east is from the west. What a great gift. You notice something here in verses 27 and 30, the two verses I told you to mark. He says, do not, give the, do not give the devil an opportunity. And then he says, do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. How do we do that? How is it that we give the, the adversary an opportunity? And how is it that we grieve the Holy Spirit? All right. I just want you to, I want to get the wheels turning a little bit tonight as we get going. Go with me to Romans chapter 12. I told Brother Cleve a little bit ago that I had a surprise for him tonight. My surprise is Romans chapter 12, starting in verse number 1. I've known this brother for 12 years now, and this is his favorite passage of Scripture. He could quote it to you. We're going to read verses 1 through 3 in Romans 12. Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living and holy sacrifice acceptable to God. Which is your spiritual service of worship. I believe the King James says it is your reasonable. Meaning, it's not too difficult. It should be second nature. It should be first nature. He says, he goes on to say, do not be conformed to this world. And if you get into the literal translation, it says, do not be conformed to the patterns of this world. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. Now, usually we read this passage of Scripture, we stop there. But look at verse number 3. It says, For through the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think more highly of himself than he ought to think, but to think so as to have sound judgment as God has allotted to each a measure of faith. We're going to talk about, for the next several moments... Blurring spiritual vision by walking in the flesh. Blurring spiritual vision by walking in the flesh. I remember two years ago, we went, there's a place in Ohio, I can't remember exactly what the, Minford, Ohio. There's a, a, an old a mine up there that they've turned into, a, a Christian group bought this and it's become this real big ministry outreach. In October, they do this uh, thing, it's called the Cave of Choices. 
It's kind of, if you've ever seen the, the, um, the little drama, Heaven's Gates, Hell's Flames, if you've ever seen that, you're, fam- you're kind of familiar with the basis of this. Well, in Christmas time, they do, that's called the Christmas cave. You walk into this cave and it goes on, I think it's like a mile and a half long. And it's just everything about why we celebrate Christmas season. Well, two years ago, we were coming back from that on a rainy night. And as long as I was in the state of Ohio, I could see just fine. I could see the lines on the road. I could see everything. I could see the cars coming the other direction. I no sooner hit the West Virginia state line that I couldn't see anything. Because I've realized that our Department of Highways has gotten kind of cheap with their paint. <laughs> we don't have that reflective stuff in our paint anymore. You get into West Virginia, you can't see anything. And I had this confirmed to me a couple weeks ago. I took my oldest daughter back to Morgantown and coming back in a driving rainstorm. I had no clue where I was even at. I was just following taillights. My vision was blurred. I couldn't see where I was going. I just had to trust that I was on the right path. Instead of knowing for certain that I was headed in the right direction, I had to just blindly hope that I was going in the right direction. And this is what happens a lot of times. Going back to my question from Ephesians 4, how do we give the devil an opportunity? How do we grieve the Holy Spirit? It's very simple. My flesh. I can give the devil an opportunity by allowing my flesh to get in the way. I can grieve the Holy Spirit by allowing my flesh to get in the way. Paul doesn't say anything about sacrificing your life. But what he does say is sacrifice your spirit. Put your your flesh on that altar of sacrifice. You know the most difficult thing about a living sacrifice? When it's on the altar, it doesn't want to hold still. (laughs) When my flesh is being dealt with, it doesn't like it. My spirit celebrates. My spirit has a ticker tape parade. But my flesh is going, I don't want to do this. I don't want to give that up. It's my right to hang on to this. It's my right to be angry. It's my right to be bitter. It's my right to stick my tongue out at somebody. I have that right. Things don't go my way. I have a right to be upset about it. Or I have a right for things to always go my way. The last time I was here, you know what? I just thought about this a little bit ago as I was sitting here. I've preached more here in the last couple months than I have in my own church. So that's a testament to what God's doing in Bridgeport. <laughs> that we've got people that can fill the pulpit, all right? But last time I was, said, I was here, I made a statement. I said, you got a Burger King right down the road. There you get it your way. Here you don't get it your way. You get it God's way. And sometimes when it goes God's way, it's not going to necessarily be what you and I want it to be. Amen. It's things that aren't necessarily going to turn out the way that we expect them to or that we hope they do or the ways that we demand them to. Sometimes we act like a bunch of spiritual spoiled children. I'm going to stomp my feet until I get my way. I just about dropped the $700 iPad. Did y'all see that? Stomp our feet. Suck our thumb. Stick our fingers in our ear. La, la, la. I don't want to hear it. La, 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 la. 
I, I must be talking to myself. It may, it may, maybe I'm the one that needs to deliver tonight. I know nobody else. Nobody else deals with that battle between the flesh and the spirit. Nobody else. Just me. I get it. That's cool. If it's just me, it's fine. I'll preach to myself. How many, based on what we read here in Romans chapter 12, 1 through 3, how many of us are willing to pay the necessary price? To echo exactly what Jesus said on the night of his arrest in the Garden of Gethsemane. To echo exactly what he said. God, if it be your will, let this cup pass from me. But nevertheless, your will be done. How many of us are willing to pay the price to simply say, God, I can't have it my way. My way gets me in trouble. My way gets other people in trouble. Amen. Was it Carrie Underwood that sang that song a few years ago, Jesus Take the Wheel? Jesus Take the Whole Thing. Take the whole thing. One of the, the biggest lies that I have ever seen in my life, and I guarantee everybody in here has seen it, the bumper sticker that says, Jesus is my co-pilot. Yeah. Biggest lie you've ever seen on the back of a car. Yeah. That should say, Jesus is my pilot. Yeah. Amen. I'll give you another one we've seen. God said it. I believe it. That settles it. doesn't matter if you believe it or not. It simply matters. God said it. That settles it. Can you cut away from your wants? Can I cut away from my wants? Can I cut away from my desires to fulfill the call of God? Can I do that individually? Can you and I do that corporately? See, folks, if you've followed any of our messages online, you've heard me say this a lot. We use the word church a lot. It's used 116 times. The Greek word ekklesia is used 116 times in the New Testament. And every time in the King James Bible or some of the more modern translations, it always says church. But do you know that a Greek word ekklesia never translates as church? You know how it translates? The called out, separated congregation. There is a difference. You want to refer to something as the church called the four walls and the roof, the building. That's the church. This is the ecclesia. This is the ecclesia. The called out separated ones. If we've been called out from this world, then why are we behaving like the world? And what excuse do we have to behave like the world? I'm not even going to get into the history of why... Some of the translators in years gone by have taken the word ecclesia and, and translated it as church. There's a reason for it. I'm not going to get into that tonight, but I will tell you it has a lot to do with control. Within the body of Christ, you and I have no control. We have him. He's the one in control. And if he's not the one, if he's not the one in control, then all this is is a social gathering. A weekly gathering of the meeting of the minds. What can we come up with next? How can I do this? How can I get my way next? Amen. It's never the Listen, go back to the book of Acts. Start at Acts chapter 1 and move your way forward. 
through the early days, uh, through the New Testament, the early days of the Ecclesia. Go down throughout. Yeah, there's a, I've got a book about, it's called Church History in Plain Language. I, can't, uh, I think the guy's last name is Shelley, Bruce Shelley, I think. Get a copy of that book and read how things progressed in what we would call the Christian church. I haven't eliminated the word church out of my vocabulary because it's something that we all can understand. It's, it's just one of those words that will never go away. The importance is knowing who we truly are in Christ. Yeah. And we are more than church. We are the separated, called out ones, called out from this world to be different. We do that by being transformed, by the renewing of our mind, letting go, being that willing, living sacrifice that lays across that altar against its own will. All right, let's, let's keep going with this. To be renewed. To be, the word transformed in Greek is really interesting because it's, the, it's where we get our English word metamorphosis. Like when, um, when a, uh, uh, a caterpillar goes into the cocoon and a butterfly or a moth comes out, that's, the, the, that's how we can relate that word. To be transformed means that. To go in is one thing, but to come out is something else. But I was, as I was studying today, I looked up the word renewing. And it simply means to be renovated. And it also means to complete a complete change for the better. Now, can we humble ourselves for just a moment? And I'll be the first one to raise my hand. How many of us honestly could use a good change for the better? And I'm not talking about the world standards. I'm talking about, about the surgery that can only be done by the Holy Spirit. In that regard, if I can ask you that question and say, how many of us? I'll put both hands up. I'll put a foot up. Because I need it. Because I am 43 years old and I have realized the older I get, the less I need to have my way. The, the closer I get to God, the more I realize it needs to be His way. It has to be His way. If I want to see my family blessed, if I want to see the ministry blessed, if I want to see the complete body of Christ blessed, I have to take myself out of the way. Amen. And say, Holy Spirit, here it is. Amen. You can do this a whole lot better than I can. Amen. You know, I've noticed that as a pastor, everybody's got opinions. Pastor, if I was you, I'd do this. If I was you, I'd do that. If I was you, I'd do this. I've offered my keys to several people. So, well, here, if you can do it better, there you go. The office is yours. The pulpit is yours. Do it better. The only thing I know to do is to follow what the Holy Spirit says. Amen. You know, when people listen, I, I want you to understand something. And, and, I, and I, I really hope I can say something here that will help you tonight. I have watched for the last month, all across this country, people have lost their ever-loving mind because the election didn't necessarily go the way they hoped it did. It didn't go the way I hoped it would go. You know how I feel about it? What can I do about it? Here's what it boils down to. Either God is God and he's fully in control. Or I have spent the better part of the last 20 years believing a lie. But see, let me tell you something. I can go back and I can read some of the Christian history that exists. I can go back and look at how Peter was uh, martyred, how Paul was martyred, how the early, um, the early Christian fathers, how they, they, Mark, Mark, the guy in the Bible. You know how he was martyred for Jesus Christ? He was drawn and quartered. 
They tied him, spread him out, and ripped him to pieces. And that tells me something. If these men and these women, under the, fate, the, the threat of death, the penalty of death, you either deny Christ, you either deny this Jesus, or you pay with your life. They gave up their lives. So that tells me there's some truth here. Amen. And I know it's true because, listen, you know, everything we deal with in this uh, fleshly carnal life, God already has an answer for. You know, when we go through those moments and we waver, well, God, is this all real? He answers it. Let God be true and every man a liar. Amen. Says that not one word of his promise has ever failed. If God said it, he meant it, and if he meant it, he said it. Amen. We need to be renovated. We all could use a complete change for the better. But sadly, many people don't want to admit that they're in need. They don't want to admit they're in need. It's easier to point fingers and find fault in others. How about maybe we sweep off our own doorstep before we go cleaning everybody else's front porch? Amen. Just a thought. It, it might help us. Can you tell me, through personal humility and personal sacrifice, can you tell me any better way to prove what is the good, perfect, and acceptable will of God? Because I can't find another answer. I can't find a better way. Hmm. You know, he gave his life for us. All he's asking is for us to give up our will for him. That's a pretty fair trade if you ask me. Let's look at verse 3 here. Through grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think more highly of himself than he ought to think. But to think so as to have sound judgment as God has allotted to each a measure of faith. I want to read a quote to you from a commentary I have in my library. It says this, quote, beginning in verse, or chapter 12, verse 3, Paul turned his attention to the social implications of being right with God. A measure of faith in verse 3 probably means the instrument for measuring, namely saving faith. Every believer is saved by faith, and if each measures himself against that yardstick or that standard, conceit will vanish. Hmm. And the diverse parts of the local body will work together more profitably for their mutual care. The body receives help, especially as its members use their spiritual gifts. Let me read verse 3 to you out of the Amplified Bible. For by the grace, the unmerited favor of God given to me, I warn everyone among you not to estimate or think of himself more highly than he ought, not to have an exaggerated opinion of his own importance, but to rate his ability with sober judgment, each according to the degree of faith apportioned by God to him. We come to the explanation as to why in verses 4 through 8. So let's read this. Romans 12, 4 through 8. For just as we have many parts in one body, and all the body's parts do not have the same function, so we, who are many, are one body in Christ, and individually parts of one another. 
However, since we have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, each of us is to use them properly. If prophecy in proportion to one's faith, if service in the act of serving, or the one who teaches in the act of teaching, or the one who exhorts in the work of exhortation, the one who gives with generosity, the one who is in leadership with diligence, the one who shows mercy with cheerfulness. Is there any one part of the body that's any more important than the other? You know, we might look at this and say, well, the brain is the, the supercomputer. It's the supercomputer that controls everything. You know, it's, it's been estimated that in our life, if we live a, a natural, full-blown life, that over the course of our lifespan, we only use 10% of our brains. 90% is never used. You think of some of the brilliant minds that have come and gone throughout history. Albert Einstein, Thomas Edison, so on and so forth. Benjamin Franklin. They use 10% of their brain capacity. But let me ask you something. How far can the brain travel if there's no feet to take the steps? How far can the, the how, how, how much good can the brain do if there's not a mouth to deliver the message? Hmm. Why do some church folk carry that thought pattern that maybe we're better than the next person? Or maybe we're more highly skilled or more highly trained than the next person? Can I tell you something? And I tell our congregation this all the time. The only difference between me and them is I'm the one that stands behind the pulpit. I may have a microphone, but I'm no more important than they are. They need me as much as I need them. Can I be honest with you, Heart Chapel? I need you. We in Bridgeport need you. Every bit as much as you need us. The ecclesia, the true body of Christ, always functions together. Church, quote unquote church, will always, always, always function separately based on the mindset of either A, individual people, or B, a small select group of people who feel they know better than everyone else. Let me say that again. Ecclesia, the body of Christ, will always function together. Church will always function separately based on the mindset of A, either individual people or B, a small select group of people who feel they know better than everybody else. Where do we go from here? Where do you go from here? Where do I go from here? Let me ask you this question, and we're going to come back to these questions in just a few moments. Let me ask you this question. Where do you see your part of the body of Christ in 365 days? Today's what? December the 6th, 2020? Where do you see your part fitting into the body of Christ come December 6th, 2021? We'll come back to that in a moment. If you are fully content with the current status quo, you're in trouble. You have a problem. If you're too earthly minded to be fully aware of spiritual things, then you have a problem. Yes. Meaning carnally minded, thinking 
reacting, decision-making based on carnal motives, you've got a problem. If your mindset, if that's your mindset, let me ask you this. And I've, listen, I, I, it's not even so much I'm going to ask you. I'm going to tell you something that I have told several folks that I have served with in leadership, past and present. If your mindset is that you're too earthly minded to be fully aware of spiritual things and you consider yourself a church leader or if you have ambitions to be a church leader, if your mindset is so set on things of this earth, you know the best thing for you to do? Give up your position. Give it up. Because if you're not leading people to the foot of the cross with the ultimate goal to be the throne of grace, then you're not doing anybody any good. Amen. Your pride is causing you to hold on to something that you have made a personal possession. And that will never work. It will never prosper. It will never flourish. Are you guys still with me? Wave at me if you're still awake. All right. It's 838. Give me about two more hours and we'll get out of here. I'm kidding. I've got an hour's drive ahead of me. We're not going to be here two hours. It is absolutely 100% impossible to think and make decisions from the carnal mind and, and still yet be pleasing to God. You cannot make decisions from a carnal perspective and think that what you're doing is pleasing to God. It doesn't work that way. You're identified as a child of God, not by your flesh. According to Romans chapter 8, and we're going to go there in just a few moments. According to Romans chapter 8, you are identified as a child of God by your relationship in the Spirit with the Holy Spirit. Romans chapter 8, verse 7. The carnal mind is enmity against God. This is from the King James Bible. The carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. New American Standard, same verse. The mindset on the flesh is hostile toward God. Think about that for a moment. The mind of the flesh is hostile. Let's, let's just for a moment, let's think about some of the hostilities that we know of from history past. Tomorrow is the anniversary of Pearl Harbor Day. We had a foreign nation that was hostile towards what we were doing. Let's go back to 9-11-2001. We had an enemy that we knew existed, but we kind of put it off in the corner because it never happened. Something like that will never happen. We didn't realize how hostile that particular group was. Until the day. And Paul says this, that the mind set on the flesh stands in hostility toward God. For it does not subject itself to the law of God, for it is not even able to do so. Your carnal mind is not able to subject itself to the law of God. Listen to this one. This is from the Passion Translation. In fact... The mindset focused on the flesh fights God's plan and refuses to submit to his direction because it cannot. So, we stand in enmity against God in our carnal minds. 
We're hostile towards God. And we refuse to submit to his direction. We fight against God. Well, not me. There's your problem. Because we're not able to humble ourselves long enough to say, you know what? I might have a problem. I might have an issue that only God can fix. Go with me real quick to Romans 8. I just read to you verse 7. Let's go to Romans 8. I'm just about finished for tonight. Romans chapter 8. Verse 14. For all, not some, all, who are being led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons and daughters of God. Romans 8, 14. For all who are being led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons and daughters of God. For you have not received the spirit of slavery leading to fear again, but you have received a spirit of adoption as sons and daughters by which we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit. Notice our flesh is not anywhere in this equation. The, the Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, heirs also, heirs of God and fellow or joint heirs with Jesus Christ. If indeed we suffer with him so that we may also be glorified with him. Listen, if I have the opportunity to be an heir of God and a joint heir with Jesus Christ, if I have that opportunity, I want in on that. Amen. That sounds like a pretty sweet deal. Let's go back to my questions from a few moments ago. Where do we go from here? Where do you go from here? Where do I go from here? Where do you see your part of the body of Christ in 365 days? You three, this is a preview for next Sunday morning. <laughs> so I'm going to speak to you folks here at Heart Chapel. Where do you see this church and this ministry in 365 days? See, I don't know anything. I don't ask. I got my own load to carry. <laughs> I'm just telling you that I knew, I didn't have no idea until 10 o'clock last night that I was going to be here preaching tonight. But I knew this was the message that I was going to preach to you guys the next time I showed up. Not by anything other than the Holy Spirit. So let me ask you this question again. I want you to really think about this. When you go home tonight and you pray, you get up in the morning and you pray. Where do you see this church and this ministry in 365 days? Have you prayed? Have you prayed for? And do you have a vision in place? Not just, listen, I want you to understand, not just showing up on Sundays. You guys have your Christmas dinner a week? And next week, is that right? Next Saturday? This coming week? That's all fine and dandy. But where do you see your impact in the community in a year? Listen, you guys are on fertile ground. I want you to understand me. I, I don't know this. I don't know how far back this hall goes. I know very little about Elkins. But I'm telling you, you guys are in a unique position and you are on fertile ground. And God's calling. And I would advise you all to listen. Where do you see this ministry in one year's time? Do you have a vision in place? 
Are we just opening the doors for this, for dinners? What are we doing? What are we doing? Listen, I want you to listen to me. My daughter was up here for a semester at the college. There's souls that are lost right now in Elkins, West Virginia. Amen. I'm not talking New York City, L.A., San Francisco, Houston. I'm not talking about these big metropolitan areas. Right here in Elkins, right here probably in this hollow. Probably neighbors that we could throw rocks at and hit from where we're at right now that are lost, that don't know Jesus. It's great we might be able to feed somebody a meal. But what about giving them the greatest gift that you could ever give them? You realize how important your testimony is? You realize how important vision is? You know, God answers that as well. In Proverbs 29, he says, where there is no vision, the people perish. You got to have a vision. Listen, I did not come up with this 14-page document on my own. Let me tell you, how, let me give you the, the testimony of this right here. The Sunday prior to me going up to Guys Mills, Pennsylvania, I had preached a message on spiritual vision. And I just thought, okay, it's a one and done, that's it. I'm sitting, I have a laptop computer. Let me tell you how old this laptop is. For those of you that are familiar with operating systems with computers, this laptop is still running on Windows XP. All right, it's an old computer. I don't hardly use it anymore. Every once in a while, I'll break it out because I've got some stuff on it that, some books and some resources on it that I don't have on my iPad. I just happened to take that with me on that trip. My wife... Myself, my son, and my youngest daughter go up. We were asked to come up and house sit for our pastors. So we go up and we, we're sitting there. And one night, I just I pulled that laptop out, just out of the clear blue. Pulled that laptop out. I have a program that was given to me. How many of you remember the TV show Amen? Uh, the guy played George Jefferson was on it. He beat him. Um, and uh, Clifton Davis played his daughter's, I think, husband. A friend of mine knows Clifton Davis personally. Clifton Davis had this computer program that had, I think, like $20,000 worth of materials on it. I got it for free. I just happened to open this program up, and there was a whole section on spiritual vision. And I sat there, and I just started looking. And within about 30 minutes, I started crying. My wife is sitting across the living room in that farmhouse, and she looks at me. She said, are you all right? I said, let's go outside for a minute. Kids were in the living room playing. With eight. They've got two dogs that we were uh, watching. I said, let's take the dogs out and walk them. So we go out. I'm standing in the driveway. I said, Crystal, let me ask you a question. I said, what's the vision for our ministry? And she said, I don't know. Hit me right in the heart. And I began to weep harder, and I said... Not because of your answer, but because of my lack of concern. That's pathetic. My heart was ripped to shreds. That was one of the times I can honestly tell you I felt I had let God down the most. Because no vision was put in place. She looked at me. And she said, you're not coming to bed tonight, are you? Oh, I got a lot of praying to do. I got a lot of seeking to do. Her and the kids go to bed. The very first thing that God showed me is this logo right here. I said across here is a little heart right in the middle of it. 
That was the first part of this that God gave me. The rest of this was not anything I come up on my own. It was what the Holy Spirit said, and I couldn't write fast enough as he was speaking. Two years ago, God gave me a vision, and two years later, two and a half years later, I'm seeing it come to pass. It's exciting to see God birth something and conceive something. And you watch that thing incubate and you watch that thing grow. Let me tell you something. This man right here was supposed to come up in April, right? Him and his wife were coming up for one week in three days. That was it. Come up, go home, done. Two weeks before they're supposed to be here, the shutdown happens. A few months later, he sends me a random text message. This guy is one of my very best friends, and I'm not trying to these guys as well, but I, I'm, I'm talking about this guy right now. One of my very best friends I've ever had in my life. Sends me a random text message about what God was leading, how God was leading him. I sent him a message back immediately. I looked at my wife and said, you're not going to believe this. I sent my wife a message back, or I sent him a message back, and I said, can you talk right now? I picked up the phone and I called him. 1,300 miles away. God was speaking exactly to him what he spoke to me two and a half years ago on a farm in Guys Mills, Pennsylvania. He didn't come up here with his wife. I'm surprised that that's working out here. We have a rule at Bethel in Bridgeport that the first cell phone that rings, that person's got to buy dinner. <laughs> so Carrie, you're on the hook tonight. <laughs> the next phone that rings, you got dessert, all right? <laughs> he didn't come up here just to reconnect with his buddy. I knew in that text message before the phone call that God was sending him back home. And I told my wife, I said, I'm watching pieces of the puzzle come together. For me, this is the most exciting time that I have ever had in almost 20 years of serving God. Because at times that I was ready to give up, and I was ready to say enough's enough, I can't do this anymore. Can I tell you, can I be honest with you? Our church folk know this, so I can tell you this. A year and a half ago, I was this close to leaving West Virginia and moving to Titusville, Pennsylvania to be a part of that ministry up there. This close. Last May, May of 2019, I went house hunting in Titusville, Pennsylvania. That's how close I was. Because I thought, my time here is done. I don't know what else to do. God, I am so desperate. I don't know what else to do. And then one piece come together. Another piece comes together. And another. And another. And another. And what at one time was this jumbled mess started becoming a picture in focus. I've told him. I've told him. I've told him. The smartest thing I did was to tell my pastor I'm not coming. Amen. I'm called here. Yes. I'm called to North Central West Virginia. Because after two and a half years, the vision that was put in place, not by me, but by the Holy Spirit, is starting to gain traction. I want to finish with this tonight. Go with me real quickly. i got two passages of Scripture I want to read to you. I'll read with you. Go with me to the Old Testament. Prophet Habakkuk.
Actually, I've got three passages I want to read to you, or with you, rather. And then we'll finish up for tonight. Habakkuk chapter 2. I'll give you all a minute. He's kind of one that's difficult to find. So I'll give, give me an amen when you get there. All right? <laughs> if you don't know where he's at, go to the table of contents. <laughs> I promise you he's there. Is everybody there? I got two amens here, a couple here. We're good, Denver. Everybody good? I still hear pages turning. Chris, how we doing back here, brother? Just about there, all right. <laughs> I want you to make this personal. I will stand at my guard post and station myself on the watchtower. And I will keep watch to see what he will say to me, he being God. And how I may reply when I am reprimanded. Then the Lord answered me and said, write down the vision and inscribe it clearly on tablets. So that one who reads it may run. For the vision is yet for the appointed time. It hurries toward the goal, and it will not fail. Though it delays, wait for it, for it certainly will come. It will not delay long. Behold, as for the impudent one, his soul is not right within him, but the righteous one will live by his faith. Very simple teaching in regards to vision. I, I encourage you guys as a, as a body to pray for vision. Receive the vision. This is in Habakkuk chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. Receive the vision. Record the vision. Remember the vision. Receive, record, remember. Because listen, if you've got 20, I don't know how many people you have come that are members of this church or whatnot, but if you've got, say, 40, 50 people, 25, whatever the number is, and 25 people are all rowing in different directions, you're never going to accomplish anything. But when you get everybody... In, in sync and you're all rowing together and you're all going in the same direction I guarantee you you're going to accomplish some good things on this fertile ground how do I know that <laughs> we'll get there go with me to Amos chapter 8 as you're turning to Amos I want to share I've got a few more questions for you are you praying your will are you praying for the ministry of your church at all or are you praying the will of God, removing your wants and your rights out of the equation? In this document from 2018, one of the very first things this document says in regards to vision, it says direction is important. Far too many ministries today lack a clear vision. Ministries must be prepared for the coming famine. Amos chapter 8, are you there? Amos chapter 8, verses 11 and 12. Behold, days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will send a famine on the land, not a famine of bread or a thirst for water, but rather for hearing the words of the Lord. Did you hear that? He prophesied there's a day coming. And folks, I believe we're at the precipice. Amen. The days are coming when I will send a famine on the land, and it's not a famine for bread or for water, but it's a famine for the word of the Lord. People will stagger from sea to sea and from north even to the east. They will roam about to seek the word of the Lord, but they will not find it. That's not a maybe. That's a write it in stone prophecy from the very throne room of God. 
Last one. Go with me to Isaiah 55. Everybody should be able to find Isaiah. The big prophet of the Old Testament. As many chapters in Isaiah as there are books of the Bible. 66. Let me know when you're there. This is the last one. We're going to finish. Start reading in verse number 6. I've got a few verses highlighted on my notes. I know you can't see this where you're at, but I've got yellow highlights all over my notes here in this passage. The first one says this, verse 6. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. You know why? Because of what we just read in Amos chapter 8. There's a famine coming. So if there's a famine coming, I want to be prepared. So i got to call upon God while he's near to me. I've got to seek him while he may be found. Let's keep reading. Verse 7. Let the wicked abandon his way and the unrighteous person his thoughts. And let him return to the Lord and he will have compassion on him and to our God for he will abundantly pardon. Praise God for that. Verse 8. i got verses 8 and 9 highlighted. Ready for this? For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. You mean he's got this whole lot figured out better than I do? There's a shocking revelation for all of us, huh? For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. Verse 10, for as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return there without watering the earth and making its produce, making it produce and sprout... And providing seed to the sower and bread to the eater. Verse 11. Another one I've got marked. My word. God speaking. My word. Which goes out of my mouth. It will not return to me empty and void. Without accomplishing what I desire. And without succeeding in the purpose for which I sent it. God sends his word and it will accomplish. What he wants it to accomplish. And we can either get on board or we can be passed on by. For you will go out with joy and be led in peace. The mountains and the hills will break into shouts of joy before you and all the trees of the field will clap their hands. Instead of the thorn bush, the juniper will come up. And instead of the stinging nettle, the myrtle will come up. And it will be a memorial to the Lord, an everlasting sign which will not be eliminated. You can't deter God's word. You can't destroy God's word. Jesus said that every word will be fulfilled. Heaven and earth may pass away. But he said not one dot, not one tittle, nothing will pass away in his word. Not one word of his good promise will ever fail. My final question is this. Where do you stand? I'm sorry, next to last question. Where do you see this ministry in this fertile valley in 365 days? Only you can answer that. And I would suggest you answer it corporately. Not one over here, Rowan. Not one over here, Rowan. But everybody. Mm-hmm. Rowan together. Why? Because people are dying on these streets. The same drugs in Clarksburg are the same drugs in Elkins. And they're the same drugs in New York City. They're the same problems, the same addictions. People are right now dying and going to hell. 
And the church sits back and does nothing. But the body of Christ will remain active. Father, we give you thanks tonight. And we give you praise for your word. Lord, I pray in the name of Jesus Christ that I have done exactly what you have desired of me. That I have spoken exactly what the Holy Spirit would have to be spoken. Lord, I pray for this ministry. I pray for the pastor. I pray for the congregation. God, I pray that you would give them eyes to see and ears to hear what the Spirit is speaking in these last days. That they would have a hunger that they've never had before. I want you to lift your hands up right where you're at. Begin to thank the Lord. Begin to thank Him for His Holy Spirit. The Spirit is saying to this ministry, the days of old are gone. Now it's time for you to leave your legacy. Now it's time for you to step into your call and to do that which I have called you to do in this hour, in this day, says the Spirit of Grace. Hallelujah. Lord, help us not to look to the left or to the right or behind, but to get spiritual tunnel vision and look straight ahead with our eyes focused on the kingdom of God, not our own kingdom, but the kingdom of God. Lord, I pray you bless this ministry, you work in this ministry, you work through this ministry, and you work out of this ministry. Lord, I'm looking forward to great reports to come. Everybody's talked about how 2020 was a year of perfect vision. Well, God, we have seen and we've realized that we haven't done what we should have been doing. But I want to thank you and praise you. Lord, as we look back at the, the missteps and the mistakes that have been made, we thank you for the promise that though weeping endures for a night, joy comes in the morning. And we give you praise, we give you honor and glory for all things. Lord, I pray that you keep each one safe as we go our separate ways. Lord, until the next time, the next appointed time that we're together, whether it's here or whether in glory, Keep us, help us to remain hidden in Christ. And it's in the matchless, mighty name of Jesus, the Messiah, we pray. Amen Amen. and amen. Thank you for joining us today. We trust you've enjoyed your time in the word and in fellowship with us. This podcast is available on most major platforms, so please subscribe to be up to date on new episodes and content. For more information on the ministry of CVMI Pastor Jamie Gizzy or the CVMI ministry team, please contact us by email at cvmiwv at gmail.com or find us on Facebook at CVMI Open Door Podcast. Thanks again for your prayer and support. Until next time, may God continue to richly bless you and your household.